0: Welcome to Dog Training with Chris Hanlon. Hi, I'm Nessa G and I love dogs. I'm the proud owner of two fairy pals, a Collie Cross and a German Shepherd, and they are family. But loving our four-legged family members isn't enough if you want to be a responsible dog owner. To keep your dog safe, you need to have know-how, and this is where experts like Chris Hanlon comes in. I should know, I've been one of his clients. Hello, Chris. Hello, Ness. Now, for those listening who haven't had the pleasure, you are an internationally renowned dog trainer. Thank you. You you breed sniffer dogs to be exported across the world.
1: That's correct. We've sent dogs from County Down to Singapore, Norway, Italy, all across the world.
0: Is it right that you also train dogs to sniff for bedbugs? not just drugs. Is that right?
1: And your face says it all. Nobody can see your face, but it's all scrunched up. (laughs) Oh, bed bugs, horrible. Yes, the uh, America being so uh, suing culture, if you go to a hotel in America and you get bitten by a bed bug, you go and you sue the hotel. So to counteract this, the hotels bring in sniffer dogs to sniff for the bed bugs prior to you coming in and it reduces the amount of claim that people can then sue the hotel for. That's just.
0: who knew? So, apart from that, you also run a kennel service here amongst the rolling hills of beautiful County Down, and you're the director of Werewolf Dog Food, a complete food for dogs with all the bad stuff taken out, which can be delivered right across the UK and Ireland. Anything to add?
1: Uh, you've pretty much got me very busy there, yes.
0: <laughs> uh, you still bring beer. No. Maybe with, maybe we should leave that for another
1: podcast. With, yes, yes. No, no beer has been taken during this podcast.
0: So you've been training for many years, haven't you?
1: 20 plus years I've been training dogs. Yeah.
0: Why is training important?
1: Training is important because like any relationship, the relationship between you and your dog needs worked at. So the thing with a dog is a dog particularly a young dog, is constantly trying to work out where the dog is in the relationship. Is it the top dog? Is it the boss? Is it taking control in a certain situation? And without the guidance from you as the owner, as the leader of the relationship, the dog starts displaying bad traits and bad tendencies. And eventually those bad traits, if allowed to develop can become where the dog is aggressive and the dog can bite and you could start getting lots and lots of problems. And it all becomes from a lack of understanding of what the dog is asking the question of the owner.
0: It sounds a lot like a communication problem between the pet owner and the pet.
1: Absolutely. It is fundamentally where the owner isn't able to understand what the dog is saying. And I see it countless times where you can see the dog is asking the question to the owner, looking at it as if to say, am I doing right? And the owner is completely oblivious of the question even being asked.
0: You once said to me that part of your job is training the owners, not the dog. Is that
1: right? It is. It's fundamentally, there's never a bad dog. The dog's problems come from the relationship that they have with humans. And some dogs, because they're not given the correct guidance, that's where the problem dogs come from.
0: Is it much harder to train a dog to unlearn bad behaviour that they've established from this lack of communication between themselves and humans?
1: It's unlearning the bad behaviour, but also building, rebuilding the bond. You know, I have a German Shepherd that we... Uh, rehomed last year. This dog has bitten four people. She, uh, one of them, been me, and it's from. She she st- started being aggressive because of her lack of guidance. Because she, no one, she was basically humanized beyond any logical understanding.
0: What do you mean humanized?
1: Well, her previous owner was my owner teddy bears for presents and would say things to me like Chris does she not realise it's a present? Well of course the dog doesn't realise that it was a present that you bought for it. Chris she's destroying the present that I bought her. Well she doesn't realise it's a present. She only sees it as something cuddly and furry that she's going to rip to pieces because it's something she can play with. And the owner was affronted that the dog wasn't respecting her buying the dog a present. so. If she's moving on that level, she's not going to understand what the dog is asking the question. The dog thinks, okay, I'm going to start barking. She's saying to the dog to be quiet, but the dog doesn't understand. The dog's just continually barking because she's getting the result when she barks of the attention that she's craving. So then it came to the stage where the dog would start nipping at people. And because no one was giving the dog the guidance that it was the wrong thing to do, the dog started biting. that's why it it eventually started biting so over a period of time and with a bit of corrective uh, training uh, started had to teach her how to walk nicely on the lead and she started building a bit of respect for me as a human as a handler we now have her that I can trust her with my children I can trust her with my other dogs I can trust her with my family my my girls that work for me in the kennels can all handle her and they all love her where it got to the stage where she was going to be destroyed because she had bitten people and it all come from a lack of understanding what the dog was actually asking
0: so really is this issue around the owner's expectations and what the dog understands as being communicated. You said earlier, which I thought was interesting, that the dog got what it craved, attention. So any attention.
1: Yes. Dogs sometimes can be, you know, take bad attention where we're thinking in our human heads, we're scolding the dog. But in our voices, we've been going, no, Rolo, don't be doing that. You're a bold girl. Where the dog is hearing a soothing, soft voice, and the dog doesn't understand the words because they're just blah, blah, blah. Blah, 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 blah. So that's what the dog hears, and it's a soft voice. Whereas if you harshen your voice, no, Rollo, don't be doing that, the dog will understand that it's more growly, it's more speaking to the dog on the level that the dog. Speak to us,
0: but will they? I hear what you're saying there—that it's a lot to do with the tone of voice. But as you said, they don't really understand the words. So how are they getting the meaning that the behaviour that you're being assertive in your voice with is the one that they that you don't like? How do they? How do they make the connection?
1: They—they will. We can teach a dog words. We can teach a dog certain words. So we can teach a dog no. We can teach the classic. We teach dogs is sit. So a dog doesn't know what sit means. All the dog knows is when the dog hears the sound. So we're we're not, don't think of it as a word, it's a sound. You You could teach a dog to put its bum on the ground, which is basically sitting, by the clap of your hands, by the click of your fingers, just by a sound. So the dog associates the sound with putting its bum on the ground and getting a reward. That's the classic of a dog taking a sound, following it with a behaviour and getting a result, and getting the reward. And then we can teach a dog certain sounds. So we take the word no and we can associate the word no with a correction. Where if, say, if the dog was was going to bark and we had the dog in the lead, we can give the dog a correction on the lead and tell the dog No. So the dog goes, oh, I hear that sound, no. And I know that that is behaviour that isn't acceptable because I've got that correction on the lead.
0: And it's very important that these happen immediately, isn't it? It's no good telling a dog off for running around like an Androx puppy with a toilet roll two hours after the event.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. (laughs) And, you know, there's so many cases of where, where people misunderstand that they can't reprimand the dog. So um, the dog has maybe, they've called the dog and the dog has not come. And then all of a sudden they have the dog and they reprimand the dog there and then and they say, no, you're bold. Fido, you're such a bad dog. And give the dog a shake and so cross with the dog and their whole body language is all oh angry towards the dog. But what is the dog going to remember? The dog's going to remember the last time I came to you, Nessa, you were so cross with me for coming to you that I'm not gonna to come to you again because you're cross. Because the dog associates coming to you and been reprimanded.
0: Not yeah. the not the
1: previous bit that we have in our head. We have in our head we've thought, Oh, the dog is running around and she'll know that I'm reprimanding her for not coming. But in the dog's head she's gone, I'm getting reprimanded for coming. I'm not gonna do that again, I'm not gonna come back to you.
0: Yes, we're completely undermining the very thing that we want Yes yes. One of the things I've noticed you do in training as well is that you give us hand signals as well with a command, you know and is it do dogs understand hand signals a bit more than, than words, or is it a combination of the two?
1: Hand signals and, and body language hand signals because if, if you remember back to whenever we first started with uh, with your dog and we were teaching the dog. Heel. I would say to you, we'll lead off with the the dog sitting on your left and we'll lead off with your left leg. So the dog is saying that left leg is a signal of moving off, but whenever we want to teach the dog to sit stay, we'd plant our left leg and we'd move off with our right leg. So you can teach the dog your right leg means stay and your left leg moving first means move off. So your legs, your whole body language, the dog can learn by ever so subtle hand signals movements of your legs all your movements the more deliberate you make them and associate them with a certain action the dog will learn pick up on all that body language
0: and as owners it's probably really helpful for us to understand the dog's body language as well
1: absolutely I uh, just yesterday had a training group training session With uh, three dogs, Uh, there was a Japanese Akita, a Chocolate Labrador and a Terrier. And each of these dogs was highly reactive to other dogs. So the owners all thought, this is great, we'll get together and we'll see how we can get these dogs calm in the presence of other dogs. So we started off and one of the first things I taught the owner to watch for was whenever the dog was keying on and locking on to the other to another dog, their eyes would become fixated. But before they were going to move, the dogs all dipped their head. So the head dipped, and then as the head dipped, then the dog sprang up.
0: So they're staring, and then their head goes and down. Their head goes down, and they're, they're still to, staring. And it's,
1: it's, it's as if a slight dip in the head, and that was the signal that the dog was going to, to leap. So... It was teaching those owners to read that body language to spot that little action just before the dog was about to move reading the body language it then helped them intervene and was able to give the dog a correction and let the dog know just by just a tug on the lead no in other words and you can see the dog when they give the dog the tug on the lead the dog just looked at them as if to, ah i'm back with you boss It's okay i'm leaving that i know you don't want me to do that and I'm still here. And you can see the dog just sort of looking at them, giving that we communication, and that was enough for the dog just to remain and not be reactive to the other dogs.
0: Yeah, that's really helpful, isn't it? Yeah. So to avoid these sorts of problems, what do we need to do? Does it start with the puppy you bring home?
1: If you live in a three-storey apartment block, a Great Dane isn't going to be your type of dog. Some breeds are naturally very trainable will follow exactly what you want them to do there's a reason why there's so many Labradors because Labradors are so easily trained they fit into people's lifestyles they need exercise but not excessively exercised and then you get a lot of the breeds that people are starting to take on cockapoos, Labradoodles and all these designer type breeds and I'm seeing a lot of those type breeds coming with uh, problems for people because the people are taking a puppy but not actually thinking. They're looking at it thinking it's a beautiful thing, which it is, but not actually thinking of what are the traits of this dog. What is this dog? What will this display as an adult? What will this do as an adult? Will it be more like a cocker? Will it be more like a poodle? They don't know. And it's fundamentally down to the choice at the be- beginning. You have to th- really think, is this dog going to fit into my lifestyle?
0: Okay, so what I'm hearing you say, this is really interesting. Um, dogs go in and out of fashion, don't they? Different breeds. Yes. And people, Game of Thrones, for example, suddenly everyone wants a husky.
1: Yes. When it, when I started um, training dogs, it was, and I'm showing my age now, Dalmatians. Oh, every Every course. rescue centre in the country was full of Dalmatians from the 101 Dalmatians adver- uh, film and Cruella de Vil and, and it, it's cyclical. It went to Boxers then and as you say, Game of Thrones and the latest at the moment seems to be Cockapoo's and Labradoodles. It's well, cyclical.
0: And, and when you talk about Cockapoo's and Labradoodles of course, really what those are, they are they're mutts, aren't they? They're just they're designer mutts, aren't they?
1: Well, it's, you're crossbreeding two um, to, to Breeds to look at a uh, to to produce a dog that is a designer type dog.
0: I I don't want to be offending offensive to anybody. I, you know my my collie is a cross. You know she's a mutt too. Yeah,
1: <laughs> and absolutely. I I have, I have a terrier and she is a mixture of oh, I don't know how many breeds and very very clever. But the fundamental thing that I'm trying to say here is look at the breeds. Whether it's a mixed breed, whether it's a pure breed, and look deeply at the traits that those dogs display. Because
0: whatever dog you choose, ultimately, they are likely to show the traits of the breed that they are, because they have been bred to have those traits in the first place.
1: Absolutely. Cockapoo, for instance. Cockapoo is a cocker. If it displays the cocker traits, it's going to be insanely energetic and it's gonna to want to go twenty four seven and you will not exhaust the dog. And some of these cockapoos are like that. So people think they're getting a lovely cute furry thing that is is poodle type and then they they're taking more to the cocker and they're off the scale in the amount of energy that these dogs have.
0: And, of course, and they're not
1: fitting into people's lifestyles.
0: And of course, when you say cockapoo, I'm suddenly thinking my grandmother used to breed poodles, and they're whip smart generally. Yes. And get bored easily. So you, I guess, a combination of a really energetic dog. Yes. Very intelligent. It's very intelligent. Could be a recipe for disaster in the wrong household.
1: Yes. Yes. Yeah, if it's that. not, if the dog isn't stimulated properly. Yeah.
0: If the okay. dog isn't stimulated properly. Okay, so we know number one, we should be looking. at at the breed first and foremost and what mix of breeds might be in the puppy litter that we're looking at how do we go about choosing the right puppy for us from a litter if we are able to do that
1: if if you're lucky enough to to go and have the choice of puppy from a litter one of the fundamental tests to to look at is look at all the litter mates together And sometimes people will go for, oh, it was the puppy that came up to me and I picked it because it started chewing my shoelaces. Well, is that the puppy that you want? That's the most boisterous puppy in the litter. That's the one who's coming, bounding up to you that has lots of energy and it's the one that's going, okay, I'm here, I'm here and he's all excited and he will constantly or she will be constantly like that as a puppy. Um. The one who's maybe sitting in the background, who isn't interacting with the rest, maybe it's not the right puppy because it's going to be very shy. It, it if you bring it into a family, it's not going, to, it's going to be overwhelmed with kids. So it's finding the balance. Um, a test that, that we do with our uh, sniffer puppies is at about six weeks of age. We, we flip them onto their backs. On, so you're holding the puppy. In the palms of your hand, flipped on onto your, onto its back, and you see how long you can hold the puppy for, without the puppy starting to wriggle to right itself back to to the normal, its normal back to four legs, and it's amazing to look at because you look at the puppy and some of them are instantly f- trying to flip themselves back around again, and those are the puppies that are willful, are not wanting to comply with what you're wanting to do with them. And those are the puppies that later can be problematic to train if not treated right. On the other side of the coin, we have the the puppy that just lies there, that is like a blancmange or a piece of jelly, and just (laughs) lies there and looks up at you and goes, I love this here because you flip me on your back. And this I'm like a wee... And you can almost rock it like a little baby that's my
0: spirit animal right there
1: (laughs) and it will sit there and it sits there and it's and eventually after and you can maybe count till a minute minute and a half it'll go okay can i and it'll make a half-hearted effort to to read itself and those are the puppies that are easy trained and those are the puppies that um that we have from the past trained as assistance dogs we've uh, we've trained some dogs for kids with autism and though that's the type of puppy because it is very very compliant to what you want to do it's got a lower energy level and it's a softer type of nature
0: that's good to know so I guess another question I want to ask you about puppies if you are getting a puppy um, what's the best way to avoid being the customer of a puppy farm because unfortunately we do have this problem going no away.
1: Absolutely. The, I would say to people look long and hard at where you're actually getting the puppy from. You know, uh, We don't advertise puppies. You can't uh, find us online. We don't advertise our puppies online. We don't advertise them in papers. People come to us because they know that if they come and they're buying a Labrador puppy off us or a Cocker puppy off us, it was bred for a job that it's not showing the traits for and then we we will sell the puppy on. So if you're looking for a puppy, I would say to people, look at the breeder and definitely, definitely don't go to the person who is meeting you in a car park. Meet the mum and dad of of the puppy if possible. Sometimes you can't meet the dad, but definitely see the mummy. Speak to the, the breeder. Has the breeder warmed the puppy? Can the breeder tell you what the, the drugs were used to warm the puppy? What was the food that's been used with the puppy? And if try to build that there's a background and a link with the puppy and the and the person who's selling you the puppy. That it's not a dealer who has went and bought puppies and then is selling the puppies, who hasn't had the mother, who hasn't fed them, hasn't wormed them and whatever. Puppies should be, by law, leaving the person who's selling them and be microchipped. So the person who is selling the puppy to you needs to take microchip details. And if you don't tick all these boxes, if you can't... If they, the person says, no, 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 um, we have... There's some excuse on the type of food or, no, no, we haven't warmed them. or And can't answer these. These are fundamental questions. If they can't answer these fundamental questions, walk away. Don't buy from those because you're only making the problem worse. You're only giving the money to these puppy farmers.
0: Yeah, that's really great advice. Do you have any tips, Chris, for those of us who like to go to rescue shelters and adopt a dog? Is there any tips on things to look out for there as well, in terms of if you were looking for a dog there? Have you got any thoughts about things to just red flag? You know,
1: I've been on both sides of the fence when it comes to rescue because we used to uh, do quite a lot of rehoming um, of dogs. We, we rehomed lots of dogs over the years. So I know that as a rehoming organisation, you will Stretch the truth slightly, and there's certain breeds that you never will rehome. So if you have a dog that looks a bit like a collie, for instance, and you have a lovely collie, um, you'll never mention the word collie. You'll say it's a, a lab cross or a terrier cross or something because people are turned. Because
0: off. collie, tell us why with collies specifically.
1: People for collies, for instance, uh. People look at them and they're high energy. They need a lot of exercise. They need a lot of stimulation. And people know that they are. They need this exercise and stimulation. And then they become problematic if they don't get it. So as a result, they'll walk on past when it comes uh, to the rescue centre. So what I, my advice to people would be is, when you go to the rescue centre, have a long look at the dog and don't take it at face value. Um, there's a rescue centre that recently I know had some beagle puppies that they were rehoming, and when they were actually rehomed, they were actually foxhounds. And again, if the people had come along and said foxhounds, well, I'm not going to take foxhound, but because beagle is one of our breeds that. Are, are desirable at the moment the Beagle puppies in the rescue center went very quickly now we've been working with a number of the owners who have had these so-called beagles that are actually foxhounds and they're very very difficult to train because a foxhound for generations multiple generations has been controlled in a pack by a man on a horse with a whip That dog doesn't want to walk on a lead. That dog doesn't want to sit.
0: I hear what you're saying, yeah. That
1: dog doesn't want to comply in the house. That dog is genetically not programmed for what we're asking these puppies to do. And there's a huge problem.
0: Yeah, and I can understand that. And if you don't know that much about dogs and you just want to do the right thing, yeah. rescue a dog, you might not know that information. But it does come back to what you said earlier about knowing breeds and doing your research, doesn't it?
1: it exactly. And there, I can see being on, having been on the side of the rescue centre, having rehomed dogs, you're trying your utmost to do the thing of getting the puppy out, out through the door, of getting the dog rehomed. And giving it every chance, and if you need to stretch the truth a wee bit, you may do that to get the the dog rehomed. home. But as the person who's taken on the puppy, don't necessarily take the breed description as face value. You know, it's it's not it can be stretched a wee bit, but get to know the doggy before you take it out, take it for a walk, get it see all the traits, and bring someone who maybe has a bit more knowledge than you.
0: Next time I have to adopt another dog, because obviously I'll have to at some point, Chris. I'm bringing you with me.
1: Yes, no problem.
0: <laughs> okay, so Chris, in this scenario, I've got a dog. I'm new to dog ownership. What do I need? A shopping list. A shopping list? A shopping list. <laughs> I'll start. What's on the shopping list? Start at the very...
1: Collar and lead. Collar and lead. Collar and lead. Collar and lead. Collar and... Lead. Um, When you go along to the the pet store, the pet shop uh, or look online, you'll see all these gadgets and all these things, plethora of different brands and things. And out there there's a million different types of apparel for dogs. Don't reinvent the wheel. (laughs) Buy the collar and lead because on a simple collar and lead, you will have so much more control whenever you train your dog. Harnesses are good for clipping your dog into the back of your car when you're taking it on a journey. But unless you've got a husky that you want to pull a sled or you've got a horse to pull a a cart, you don't need a harness on your dog because all it will do is teach your dog to pull.
0: Oh, that's interesting because so many people around the park, when I walk my dogs, have harnesses.
1: Yes. On every dog. On every dog. Including little dogs. Yes, And it is the designer from the pet uh, equipment manufacturer has, has brought these out and the pet stores love them because they're instead of selling you a collar and a lead at 10 quid, they're selling you a harness at 20 quid and it snowballs it snowballs
0: okay so you say collar and lead but even within those two categories there's an awful lot of differences and I mean with collars you've got the velcro ones you've got the plastic clip ones you've got leather ones you've got weird spiky ones let's not go there and let's with, not go there and then with leads you've got the you've got all different types you've got clip-on leads and you've got the ones that you use in training
1: yeah the yeah. slip
0: lead isn't it the slip
1: slip lead what slip leads i personally have probably four leads that that i use Uh, i have uh all of the leads with the exception of one all just come with a standard clip that you clip onto the to the collar and then within that there's different lengths so if i'm teaching a dog say sit stay i have one which is about eight foot long um my german shepherd that uh I I take for uh, her and I go for for runs together. I have a a lead which allows her to run ahead of me about six or eight feet. Um, so different leads for 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 different jobs. The other lead that I have is a slip lead, which is great for for training. But I would say to people, if you're going to use a slip lead, go to someone who's going to teach you how to use it properly, even fundamentally putting it on correctly because there's a 50-50 chance that you're going to put it on wrong and if you put it on wrong you're going to choke your dog with the lead as opposed to using it as a as a training aid
0: oh my goodness is that right yes
1: so it's if it's not put on correctly it's going to have a negative effect so if you're going to use a slip lead make sure that you're going to use it and be knowledgeable about how you're going to use it
0: Okay, at some point you need to do a video about slip leads so we all know that we're not choking our love, loved pets.
1: We should do that.
0: Okay, so I've got my collar, I've got my lead. What, what else do I need?
1: Uh, I recommend uh, people, when you have a, a bowl, a metal bowl for water and food, and use metal because it's much more hygienic. Dogs eventually with a plastic bowl will, will nibble at it and and there'll be puncture holes in it, etc. If they the
0: oh Chris, you've spoiled. I bought this lovely like multicolored marbly effect plastic dog bowl, and you're telling me it's not that like, hygienic. Yeah. I
1: oh. I have a, a I keep saying my German Shepherd because she seems to be the problem. She runs about with the metal bowl in her mouth and she just throws it up in there and plays with it. And if she had a plastic bowl. It's just a toy. yeah. So I was always go for the metal bowl. They're only a few pounds more expensive than the other. Um, other things that you need with the dog are more on a legal um, point of view. Your dog has to be by law microchipped and that microchip needs to be registered with a database. So there's a number of databases out there that look after the microchips. So what happens and what What a a database really is for a microchip is it stores you as the owner on a database. If your dog ever goes missing, your dog's records are kept. So if your dog ends up in a dog pound with a dog warden or in a vets, etc. They call the database. The database then calls you and you can be reunited with your dog. Um, Secondary to having a... Secondary to having a microchip is having a dog license, which is a legal requirement here. And
0: uh, when you say here,
1: here in Northern Ireland,
0: here in Northern Ireland and the rest of the UK, is that right? A dog license, it yes, is, isn't it? Yes.
1: Yes. yes. So um, it's um, you have to have your dog license, and you can be fined for not having your dog license. Um, the other important thing is poo bags, <laughs> because again. Um, and I know there's areas of the UK that ha- walking a dog on a lead without having poo bags with you is an offence. Poo bags are what a responsible owner has when they take their dog for a walk.
0: Absolutely, every single coat pocket of mine has poo bags in it. But you can get those little nifty dispensers that hang off the dogs. Hang off harness. the dogs. <laughs> This face right now is a picture. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so the microchipping is something that we need to sort out. Now, I was interested with the microchipping. Obviously, with the rescue centre, they microchip dogs. Yes. Um, if you were getting a puppy from a responsible dog breeder, are they microchipped before they go to the new owners, or
1: or is it the new owner's responsibility? It's a it's a legal requirement that uh, a breeder. Uh, must sell the puppy with the microchip.
0: So if I take the new puppy down to Tesco's and scan it, it should come up, right?
1: <laughs> and if it doesn't... Maybe not that. Maybe not, maybe that. <laughs> maybe, maybe not Tesco's. I, I think you may have to get get a bail bond. <laughs> um, it takes specialised equipment that your your vet will have. So if we go along to the vet, the vet should be able to scan it and see that the, the microchip is there.
0: That's fantastic. Okay, so yeah. now I've got... I've sorted out my license which is a legal requirement in Northern Ireland UK and I'm assuming the rest of Ireland the island of Ireland probably has similar laws but do check yes do wherever ch- you're listening do check and see what your lo- 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 locally
1: are. local government will, will have their own laws you know as I said earlier but the, the poo bags in, in certain parts of the UK hasn't come our our distance yet
0: yes I really wish it would because I'm sick of seeing poo bags being tied to trees and what is that about what's that all about if you have you go to the bother of picking up your poo in a bag put it in a bin
1: <laughs> especially a plastic bag that isn't biodegradable it's oh, there and, forever
0: and poo bags biodegradable and biodegradable, poo bags, biodegradable poo bags not all poo bags are made equal so we've got our we've got our lead and our collar and our bowl and and we've got our poo bags and we've made sure we're microchipped and we've made sure we've got a dog license. They're the main things, aren't they? But yes. what about...
1: Something to avoid.
0: Something to avoid. Oh, do tell.
1: Puppy pads.
0: Puppy pads.
1: Puppy pads are basically a nappy that falls out flat on the ground.
0: Shut the front door. Really?
1: Shut the front door. Years ago, you would have used a puppy newspaper. Pads. A newspaper. Well, could a newspaper down. Now we have a puppy pad. So it absorbs the pee as the pee on the pad. And as a dog trainer, they are my nemesis. I absolutely detest them because what are you doing with the puppy pad? You're putting it on the ground and you're encouraging the dog to pee and poo on the pad in your house.
0: I never thought of that.
1: So then when the puppy grows up and is six, seven, eight months old, you come and you go, Chris, I can't get my dog house trained. Of course you can't get your dog house trained because you've allowed it for the last six months to pee and poo in the house on the puppy pads. So don't listen to the person in the store who tells you that you need Poppy pads. They are on commission. They are only thinking of their seal of their poppy pad. Think of your dog and teach it to poo outside. That's don't use the poppy pad.
0: Really good advice. And in terms of pooing outside, going off slightly here, pooing outside, when you've got a garden and you allow your dog out <laughs> and it starts pooping everywhere, how do you stop that happening?
1: You just have to pick it up.
0: You have to just pick it up. Can you train them to go in one place? You can,
1: you can, you can. Um, Does
0: it involve taking them out on the lead
1: to take, the place? Take them out on the lead, and when the dog poops or pees, have a super high reward, something that the dog completely and absolutely loves. Be it sausage, liver cakes, very good liver cake, very liver cake. very very easy made. Liver, flour, eggs, bung it in the oven, make your liver cake. Dogs absolutely love it. Um, give the dog that reward when it poops in the place that you want it to and the dog will associate the reward with the pooping in that place oh when I poop here I get a super duper reward that really tasty reward and as well as that too you need to be animated in your reward you're such a good boy Nessa such a good boy for pooping where I want you to
0: that's good to know yeah. okay so We've managed to allocate where we're going to poo, which is outside, not on a puppy pad. Yeah, absolutely. And we've got that other bit of equipment. What about bedding? Where do we stand with bedding? Or where do we lie down with bedding?
1: Where do we lie down with bedding? <laughs> uh, with puppies, bedding can be problematic because they chew and they pull it to pieces and they basically wreck everything because they're puppies and they're teething, etc. It is worth... Going through the pain of a number of beds being pulled apart and ripped and things. Because eventually you want the dog to be lying on something soft. So they will go through a period. So don't start off with the Gucci brand and the top of the range. Start off with with an old blanket. With an old fleece. Something that doesn't matter if the dog completely wrecks it because you're going to have to go through a bit of pain of the dog ripping the things apart but absolutely teach the dog that that's its bedding stays in the bed and then the dog will will over a period of time learn that it, it's just natural thing for it to do
0: that makes sense and where do you stand on crate training
1: again back from the puppy pad the crate training is brilliant anyone Who follows the crate training will have a dog house trained within a week the dog will go outside every time and come back to what we were saying reward the dog when it's outside something really tasty but the important thing is when the dog comes out of the crate it's brought outside every time so you can't come down in the morning for instance the dog has been in the crate overnight Open the door of the crate. Let the dog run about for a bit. Stick the kettle on. Turn around. Puppy has pooed on the floor. As soon as you open the door, you need to take the dog straight outside. You can't even stop to put the kettle on. You have to think. Take the dog straight outside. And don't, if you're going to use the crate, don't allow the puppy to have free time unsupervised in the house. Because... If you're allowing if you're not in the room with the dog you can't supervise when the dog wants to go to the toilet so if you're leaving it alone it has to go into the crate because once it's in the crate you're relying on its natural instinct that it's not going to toilet in it's its bed where it's going to lie so then whenever you open that crate door the dog has has a full bladder and it needs to go outside straight away if you don't bring it outside straight away It'll just do it in the kitchen floor.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. My uh, my colleague, Cross, is still in her crate. She's seven. She loves it.
1: And it becomes it's then... It's her little den. It becomes like a den. Yeah. Like like a little dog cave.
0: Yeah, she has her own little dog cave. Yeah. People do come over our house and think we've we've uh, imprisoned her. <laughs> it does look a bit prisoner cell block H, but she loves it. She hasn't got any posters up, but she does
1: love it. Yeah, but you can... You can dress it up, you know, You can put some soft furnishings over the top of it, make it it look more cave-like than cage-like.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's what I've done with Lucy's and she loves it. Okay, so is that everything that we should think about in terms? And I guess with puppies too, if we're bringing a young dog home, well, I guess with any dog that we're bringing home, we have to work out what the rules of our house are. Is it a dog that's going to live in a kitchen, you know, living room downstairs, What? where do you stand for example on dogs sleeping on people's beds?
1: Very very important point you, you made there what are your rules going to be? Are you going to allow your Great Dane to lie on your bed? Because when it's a puppy not a problem, but when it's <laughs> a 50 kilo Great Dane lying on the bed and there's no room for you then you have a problem. Quite.
0: I, yeah. I, yeah. Have you seen my four-year-old German Shepherd sitting on my lap still, still?
1: <laughs> but that that's that's okay because you don't mind that. But the problem comes when when people have a dog, uh, and they suddenly get fed up with the behavior that it did as a puppy. So when it was cute, when when the German Shepherd was on the sofa when it was a puppy. But when the German Shepherd becomes 45, 50 kilos sitting on the sofa and no one else can get on the, the sofa, then you have a problem. So think ahead that it's not, it may be cute now, but it's not going to be cute in six months time when when the dog is fully grown.
0: I, that's a really good point. And it kind of brings me on to the next subject ever so slightly to do with puppies and cute behavior. One of the things that puppies do a lot, and we have a mutual friend, don't we, who has a, a gorgeous little puppy who's chewing everything in sight. Yes. And she's only, what, a couple of months old yeah. and her jaws are three need- months old. Yeah, yeah, she's got needly teeth. Yeah. It's not going to be so cute in a few months' time and they're working on it, aren't they?
1: They are, they're, they're actually do, doing very well with, with, with the yes. puppy. Yes,
0: yeah. Yeah, she's Hello, Luna. We think you're lovely. So, you know, Luna, this puppy, and other puppies, I guess there are certain habits we need to make sure don't form. And one of them would be chewing right
1: well to a certain degree they are going to chew because they are teething and it is important that they need to teeth because they're replacing their adolescent teeth with their adult teeth so the the teeth are coming out so a bit like a child whenever a child is teething the mouth is on fire and they need to chew to get relief on on the on the gums oh yeah but we don't want the chewing to become problematic. So there's things we can do with, with a puppy. You can give it like a rubber toy that some of them come with uh, with like gel on them that you can stick in the freezer and, and almost like a soothing ring for, for a child. Um, Kongs are, are, are great toys that you can again stick in the freezer. You can fill them full of... Um, there's all sorts of recipes online that you can... Stick into the inside of your Kong that you can freeze, and then the dog is like a nice lolly, and it'll chew. And they eventually.
0: are brilliant toys. If you're not aware of them, they're K O N G Kong, and they're kind of like a rubber conical toy, and they come in different sizes depending on the breed of your dog. Yeah. Um, as a little tip, they also make excellent throwing toys because they go off in weird, weird directions. My shepherd loves them.
1: Yeah, it's it's like a uh, a rugby ball. Uh, Cut in half, and everybody knows the the rugby ball bounce. You can't predict, well, you definitely can't predict the bounce of these, they go all shapes. Yeah, they're brilliant toys. Brilliant Brilliant toys.
0: So, you can fill them with lots of different things, including like um, their dog food, can't you? You can put their dog food. There's all sorts
1: of, if you look up online, there's all sorts of recipes and, and stuff, and you can stick them full of peanut butter and all liver and things freeze it and give it to your your dog and then it becomes like something they can chew over time and it's the cooling effect because it's been frozen.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. And I guess the other thing that puppies do a lot is they do jumping up. They're very excited to see you and they jump up and it's kind of cute when they're knee high. Yes.
1: (laughs) And... People reward the puppy for jumping up by going, oh, you are so cute. You're the nicest thing ever. And the puppy's jumping up on them. So the dog learns that it gets loads of attention whenever it's got its two paws on you. But then whenever it's the fully grown German Shepherd and it's got the two paws on you and everybody's going, ah. So don't encourage behavior that you don't want to follow through with.
0: It's a rookie mistake and I have made it myself with my German Shepherd Ralph. I have certainly seen that.
1: So what you want to do is you want your puppy to learn that you are only going to give it attention when it's got its four paws on the ground. And cute as it may be, teaching a dog to give you its paw, all you're doing is you're teaching the dog to have its paws off the ground and get attention. So that's the type of dog that will jump up more because the dog... Oh, if I give him a paw, if I give you both paws, and then it'll teach jumping up.
0: As you said before, it's reinforcing a behaviour we don't want. They, yes. they want attention, and they're getting attention. They're getting, atten- they they're getting
1: attention for the wrong thing.
0: So the way to stop that is to not give them attention at all until they have both or oh, four paws and floors. Right, paws and floors.
1: Just so, simply as as the the dog goes to put his paws on you, just take a step back. Ask the puppy to sit and pet it, reward it whenever it's it's sitting with the four paws on the ground.
0: That's really handy. Mm-hmm. Or pawsy, should I say. Chris, obedience training. It, it can feel like homework for dog owners. Why is it so important?
1: Obedience training feels like homework only because of the legacy of Barbara Woodhouse. Because... Everyone remembers sit
0: and oh the hand
1: God. gestures and I was
0: slightly scared by that hand gesture. <laughs> Would you stop doing that. <laughs> so,
1: they, so they she made uh, dog training seem very draconian, and people don't really like draconian. But obedience training is necessary, and I say obedience as in inverted commas because what is obedience? You know. It's basically the dog doing as we want it to do. We want a dog to be, basically, to like us and to want to be with us so that when we recall it, it comes back to us. So that's obedience.
0: I like the way you spun that because when I think about callback, which is the most important thing for the safety of the dog and the safety of people who are not dog lovers, is that the dog in public spaces comes back to you. And its it felt like homework, having to teach my dog's back. Yes. But you've spun that slightly differently. You want the dog to like you enough to want to come back to you over anything else that might be going on.
1: You, you want to be the central thing in the dog's life. You want to be the most important thing. That So that when the dog hears, ah, Rollo, Tess, whatever the dog's name is, the dog comes straight back to you every time. Wait, hang on
0: a second. Are you implying that I'm not the centre of my dog's universe, just by definition of me loving it?
1: No. Because your dog has learnt over time probably to ignore you when you call it. Because the smell or the bird or whatever that's going on is much more interesting than you. Because you have become the fun place. When the dog comes back to you, you inevitably put the dog on the lead and stick it back in the car and bring it home away from all the fun that it was having in the park. So, psychologically, the dog goes, I'm not coming back because that's the end of the fun.
0: I'm a killjoy. You're a
1: killjoy. Yeah, you're really not a killjoy. But <laughs> the dog, so the dog has learned this over a period of time. And that is one of the number one things that people come to me with problems because inevitably the time I see most people it's when the dog has become a problem and they'll come and they'll say Chris I need you to help me with my dog the dog won't come back so I have to look at it as a holistic approach so we'll boil it right down to the relationship that you're having with your dog and if your dog oh but Chris I don't need to worry about all that I just want you to teach the dog to come back to me And I'd say, I'm not an electrician. And I can't rewire that one (laughs) particular thing just to make that light come on. We'll have to look at it as a whole picture. Because if the dog isn't coming back to you, what other fundamental problems is wrong with you and your dog's relationship? Is your dog pulling on the lead? And why is your dog not coming back to you? Because all those times that you made yourself seem uninteresting to your dog, boring to your dog, the fun place... You ended the fun. See, so your dog's not going to come back because you're... I'm not going to do that again. I'm not going to the dog might fall for it once. But it's not going to fall for it the second time.
0: So how do I make my dog see me as a fun place when, of course, I do have to take him home from the park and I do have to have him on
1: a lead? I look at... and We call it obedience training. But I look at all these things that we teach our dogs as tricks and dog training in my head is just training your dog tricks. So you may have your dog trained that the dog can sit and whenever you say lie down it'll lie down and then some people teach the dog to roll over and they're all all we tricks and we call these dog tricks. But a more important trick is getting the dog to come back to you every time that you, you call its name. And that's, to me, in my head, that's just a trick. And if your dog is in your house, this is the second biggest problem I see, is people's dogs in their house don't know how to behave. And the dog is over-enthusiastic in the house when someone comes in and jumps up. Or the dog is... is up on top of the furniture or banging on doors and just generally being a nuisance and how are we going to fix that we teach the dog a trick the trick is we teach the dog to go to its bed and teach him to sit in his bed and be rewarded while he's in the bed so it's a trick and all these tricks are where you're rewarding the dog for the behavior that you want so We'll go back to the recall just for a second. When you're asking the dog to recall, what's my trick? I get the dog to come to my hand. So I don't teach the dog to come to me. I teach the dog to come to my hand because in my hand I will have a treat. And when the dog comes back, it gets a treat. So it sees my hand and knows to come to my hand and there's a treat in my hand. And if you do that. Repeatedly. And I've taken dogs who haven't uh, have no recall, and I can have the dog coming back within five ten minutes just by repeatedly
0: doing it. Just in five or ten minutes, yes. you can get a dog who's never come back to its name
1: so to come back to you. What we lose, we we will teach it on the lead. So if your dog won't come back to you on the lead, and that's why you get the long lead. That's I why we get the long it. lead. Yeah. yeah. So we have a long lead. The dog will come back to you on the lead. You have the dog returning to you on the lead and you teach the dog to come in to your hand. So you have your hand about your knee level and the dog sees your hand as a target and knows, oh, there's food in the hand and I'll come. And another thing that people do with their dog is you'll say, come here. And another member of your family will say, Come. And someone else will say, use the dog's name. And someone else will say, come on over here, I want you.
0: Oh, I can see the problem. I can see it, yeah. And
1: no one has been consistent. But we've given the dog a perfectly good name. If I want you, I'll say, Ness! You want me? You'll go, Chris! And I'll come. And you'll come. But why do we confuse the matter with the dog and have all these conflicting commands and everybody's using something different so the dog's never going to come come you over here i want you dog now i'm and your whole uh, your energy the dog's going no way i'm coming over anywhere near you <laughs> but if you do it nice and lightly and you go rollo good girl over she'll come because you've trained her to, the trick is teaching her to come to your hand
0: that's a really good trick
1: yeah, they're all tricks. All dog training is tricks.
0: So with obedience, um, you people come to you about callback and they come to you about problems in the house. Yes. What other issues do you see coming up regularly?
1: The, the, the third the third main thing uh, people will come to me with their dog is uh, the dog basically taking them for, for a walk on the lead. So oh, the, I know the, that. The dog, I know that tune well. <laughs> yeah. the, the dogs pull on them so much so that uh, I had a, had a lady last year. She came to me and her her arm was in a sling, and I said, "Oh, what's 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 happened?" And she said, uh, "This is why I'm here." Um, she had uh, basically a, a dog who pulled so hard that he broke the the, the top bone and the bottom bone in her hand um, by pulling on on the lead. And she wow. said, "We need to sort out the lead pull." I've had people with shoulder injuries, back injuries uh, dogs pulling people across roads and in front of cars, all because the dog isn't trained on how to walk on the lead. So we take those dogs and again, going back to the trick, we teach the dog that it learns when the lead is loose, super loose, the dog is doing the correct behaviour and when the lead is when the dog gets a correction, a tightness on the lead, the dog knows that it's the wrong behavior. So the trick is the dog learns when I'm doing right by a super loose lead.
0: Yeah, because actually, when you've got a dog who's not good on the lead, all that's happening is a tight lead, isn't it? You're being pulled, so there's no communication going.
1: And it's a tight lead and a tight handler because. The dog is pulling all the time and you're putting all your strength into holding it. So you're basically just an anchor. So the dog pulls and pulls and pulls. You're just an anchor holding the dog, a restraint on the dog. And your whole human psyche says, the tighter I have this dog, the more control I have over this dog and I'll be able to restrain this dog. Whereas the trick to the whole... um, Teaching a dog to walk on the lead is teaching the dog that the looser the dog's lead is, the dog then is making the decision to walk beside you because it knows that the lead's going to be loose. And it's much more beneficial to the dog to walk on a loose lead than it is for it to get a tight lead.
0: And much more enjoyable. For everyone. For everyone involved. So obedience covers a big umbrella, doesn't it, really? And as you said, it's it's obedience... That's horrible connotations, but this yes. is about communication. You said before about the communication between humans and dogs, and this is really about learning a way to communicate what you need as a pet owner to a dog so they can do what they want,
1: which is ultimately to please you. Exactly, because obedience has that connotation of comply or die. You know, the uh, it's all, go back to, as we said, Barbara Woodhouse, It's all seriousness and, you know, some people take the obedience training to, you know, like, uh, I will train this dog, you will. Well, it's more of a, as as I said, I call it tricks, but it's built in that relationship between you and the dog that you are having an understanding of what is going to drive the dog to do the behaviour that you want. But also, that the dog learns that when you do a certain body language, for instance, the hand and the dog and the recall, or when you send the dog to bed, the dog knows it's a good thing to go to bed as opposed to go you to bed. The dog will learn, oh, if I go to bed and I stay in the bed, it's a good place to be. Rather than. So we're flipping a lot of the things that normally people go, oh, obedience. No, it's not really, it's a bit of a trick. Or go to bed. It's not go to bed it's oh i'll go to bed because i like it over here so we're, sometimes we flip the thing if we flip the thing it's a different way of looking at it and the dog learns it a lot quicker
0: yeah that makes sense so we can put the wood house in a dog house and look at it all in a much more holistic way yes. about the relationship between yourself and your dog absolutely Before we go today, I wanted to ask you, you know, we've talked a lot about um, the issues that arise when dogs aren't trained properly, what to look for in a puppy, and the problems that arise when we don't understand the breed we're going for. And we've talked about equipment as well. Um, I just wanted to ask one last question. Can you really teach an old dog new tricks? And don't look at me like that, Chris. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Absolutely, you can. Absolutely, you can. I, fresh, hot off the press, uh, two days ago, we had a dog here that was an eight year old Labrador Cross that uh, was pulling so hard that uh, people couldn't take it for a walk. There was, the uh, family was basically mum, dad, and uh teenage son probably in around 17 year old and no one could take this dog for a walk because it was pulling so hard Um, and after an hour session we had the dog walking nicely beside everyone and the lead was loose and the dog was still under control and we taught an old dog new tricks
0: that's amazing But I do have a sneaky suspicion that you were really teaching the owners. You can admit it. Admit it, Chris.
1: 5% of dog training is teaching the dog. 95% of what I do is teaching the owners.
0: I knew it. I knew you were training me all (laughs) along.
1: Teaching the owners. (laughs) Thanks so
0: much, Chris. It's been really interesting.
1: Thank you, Ness. Thank you.